0: Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to day number 150 and Leviticus chapter 7. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given to us. Thank you for the gift of time in your Word. Thank you for the gift of your Word, for how it shows us our sin and our need for Christ. Help us to see your gospel being displayed in types and shadows here in Leviticus 7. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 7. This is the law of the guilt offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the guilt offering, and its blood shall be thrown against the sides of the altar, and all its fat shall be offered. The fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys, with the fat that is on the loin, on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the river of the liver, he shall remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering to the Lord. It is a guilt offering. Every male among the priests may eat of it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The guilt offering is just like the sin offering there is one law for them the priest who makes atonement with it shall have it and the priest who offers any man's burnt offering shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering that he is offered and every grain offering offered every grain offering baked in the oven and all that is prepared on a pan or a griddle shall belong to the priest who offers it and every grain offering Mixed with oil or dry, shall be shared equally among all the sons of Aaron. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, he may offer with thanksgiving sacrifice, with the thanksgiving sacrifice, unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread. And from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering, or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, he who offers it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be credited to him. It is tainted, and he who eats of it shall bear his iniquity. Flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned up with fire. All who are clean may eat flesh. But the person who eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, while an uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people. And if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness, or an unclean beast, or any unclean detestable creature, and then eats some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, that person shall be cut off from his people. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, You shall eat no fat of ox or sheep or goat, the fat of an animal that dies of itself, and the fat of one that is torn by beasts, May not be put to any other use, sorry, may be put to any other use, but on no account shall you eat of it. So you can put it to some other use, but you can't eat it. Verse 25 For every person who eats of the fat of an animal, of which a food offering may be made to the Lord, shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall eat no blood whatever, whether of fowl or of animal, in any of your dwelling places. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hands shall bring the Lord's food offerings. He shall bring the fat with the breast, that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be for Aaron and his sons. And the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifice of your peace offerings. Whoever among the sons of Aaron offers the blood of the peace offerings, and the fat shall have the right thigh for a portion. For the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed I have taken from the people of Israel— Out of the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons, as a perpetual due from the people of Israel. This is the portion of Aaron and of his sons, from the Lord's food offerings, from the day they were presented, to serve as priests of the Lord. The Lord commanded this to be given them, by the people of Israel, from the day that He anointed them. It is their. It is a perpetual due throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, of the grain offering, of the sin offering, of the guilt offering, of the ordination offering, and of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day that he commanded the people of Israel to bring their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. That is Leviticus chapter 7, and I apologize for my reading stumblings this morning. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and help us to understand it clearly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a little off this morning, but uh, we're here in Leviticus 7. And uh, of course, we're using the ESV and we're thankful that we can use ESV.org from Crossway for our on-screen text display. It's a great website using a lot of information from the ESV Study Bible. Also, I recommended this book one time earlier. I want to uh, recommend it again. Of course, there's no advertising. I'm not getting a cut of this. It's just a helpful book. Emmanuel in Our Place, The Gospel, or uh, Seeing Christ in Israel's Worship. It's part of an excellent series from a PNR, Presbyterian Reformed Publishers, called The Gospel According to the Old Testament. This one's from Tremper Longman III. So Emmanuel in Our Place, a very helpful, very readable, easy to read, easy to understand book on all of these uh um, aspects of Israel's Old Testament worship and how it points to Christ. So, we've been dealing there's 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 four major offerings and really a fifth. But you've got the the whole burnt offering, right, which is the atonement offering. And then you've got the the sin offering and the guilt offering and the peace offering. And then sometimes a free will, thanksgiving, or vow offering is kind of there as a fifth. The whole burnt offering, that really is to make atonement for the sin of the people. And that is entirely consumed, right? The skin could belong to the priest. He could take the skin of the animal, so the leather from the animal. But the entire flesh and all the, everything uh, of the animal is completely burnt up. And then the peace offering, it's interesting, the peace offering that's cooked is cooked on top of that whole burnt offering. So it's that whole burnt offering is a picture of Christ in that he gave up his entire life, his entire self. Um, he offered himself up through the eternal spirit, Hebrews 9 says. And so the fire and the smoke of the offering is a picture, it's a type, a shadow, a picture of the Holy Spirit taking the offering of Christ on the cross and lifting it up before the Father for to make atonement for us to make peace with God to expiate to propitiate the wrath of God that is to satisfy God's divine justice and to expiate to make a covering for our sin. Well, then, what are the sin and the guilt offerings? The sin offering really is a cleansing offering to deal with the 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 uncleanness of our sin. And the guilt offering is really a restitution. It's a, it's a, it's a payment uh, for the offense, the, the cost of a sin, so bearing the cost. So there's making atonement to satisfy justice, and there's cleansing from the filth, and then there's restitution for the cost. And the New Testament uses all three of these uh, to speak of the work of Christ, that he was a propitiation for our sin. Right, that the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So Romans 3 talks about propitiation. 1 John 1 talks about cleansing from all sin. And then as a ransom, he gave himself as a ransom for many, is what Jesus said. He came to give himself as a ransom for many. He paid the redemption price. So all three of these. And then peace, Ephesians 2 says, he himself is our peace. And peace is, is the one offering that the worshiper could also participate in. Because peace is made, and so peace has a a portion of satisfaction and joy and gift that is given. After the first three, after wrath and justice are satisfied, after cleansing is made, after redemption, restitution, ransom is paid, then there's peace. And the worshiper can enjoy that peace, can enjoy the fruit of that peace that was paid for, uh, in the sacrifice, and then you have these thanksgiving free will offerings, which are uh, really wave offerings, grain offerings, so they 're not bloodshed right and those correspond to what we might do today in a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips giving thanks to his name, Hebrews thirteen talks about, so we give a sacrifice of praise with our lips, and those uh, would often be the bloodless. Sacrifices um, that would be given as, as thanksgiving, as a tribute, as, um, you know, thankful for the harvest. And so you give the first fruits to God. So that's the various offerings. And what we have in Leviticus 7 are really some procedures for how to handle these offerings and what needs to be done and what belongs to whom. And these sacrifices are all holy. So part of it is for God. And it always, always first for God, right? So, you think about Christ's life and death and resurrection and current intercession. Number one, Christ came to do his Father's will. And Christ died for God to satisfy divine justice and to fulfill the divine promises and purposes. Number two, he himself, as our high priest, died to redeem a people for himself, to secure a kingdom for himself. And then three, for us, who are the priests, but also the worshipers, his death and resurrection has real benefits for us as our sin is forgiven, our guilt is removed, our our uncleanness is cleansed, uh, the debt we owe is paid back, our debt is, is repaid, and we have peace with God and fellowship with God, and we can give thanks to God. So in that same way, what you see is there's a part of the sacrifice that belongs to God, There's a part of the sacrifice that belongs to the high priest and to the priest, and there's a part of the sacrifice that has a benefit to the worshiper. And that pictures this threefold benefit of Christ's work. The benefit to God the Father, the benefit to God the Son as the great high priest and king over his people, and then the benefit to us as the priests and the subjects of his kingdom. There is an interesting one uh, reference here in that, The flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings uh, for Thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. But if the sacrifice is of a vow offering or a freewill offering, it shall be eaten on the day he offers it, and the next day what remains shall be eaten. But look at verse 17. What remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire on the third day, the sacrifice shall not be eaten so there was a limit to how long the sacrifice would last and be good for and it was 3 days and i do think that there's a sense here in which you have a foreshadowing it's a faint foreshadowing I'll grant you that but it's a foreshadowing of the 3rd day resurrection christ offered him up as a, himself up as a sacrifice and he was dead and he was buried and he remained there the rest of that day and he remained there the next day. But then on the third day, and this gives you the idea that on the third day, right, it's it's raised up to God. The, the rest of the flesh, it's burned up with fire, it's raised up to God. And on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead and was no longer, he was no longer a sacrifice for our sins. There's a sense in which even while he was dead and buried and remained under the power of death for a time, he continued to be a sacrifice for our sins. Although he had made payment for our sins on the cross and was able to cry out, it is finished. He, re- as long as he remained under the power of death, he remained a sacrifice and now he's risen again and he's no longer a sacrifice, which is why the Roman Catholic practice of seeing the mass as a sacrifice and then us of eating the flesh of the sacrifice that is offered up is, is inappropriate because Christ is no longer a sacrifice. He is the risen and victorious King of Kings, Lord of Lords, great high priest over the kingdom of God and the people of God at the right hand of God the Father, risen and exalted. And when he gives us his flesh and blood to eat, it is spiritually that we might taste the benefits of, and the blessings of his sacrifice, but he is no longer a sacrifice. So all this transubstantiation and even the Lutheran idea of consubstantiation of a, of the physical body of Christ being within and under, and that somehow we partake of the physical body, that all of that is really a misunderstanding of the finished work of Christ, and the glorious resurrection of Christ, and the fact that now when we partake in the Lord's Supper, it is not a sacrifice, We are not partaking of a sacrifice. The sacrifice is over and it has been offered. So we're not eating the flesh of the sacrifice. No, that ended. Right on the third day, he rose again from the dead and he was no longer and is no longer a sacrifice. Now, John sees him looking as a lamb as if it had been slain, had been past tense slain, but is now alive forevermore. And he says, Christ says to John, I died but I am alive forevermore. So I think we see this shadow and anticipation of the third day resurrection of Christ no longer being a sacrifice. There is no longer a sacrifice for sins because Christ made it once for all, Hebrews tells us very clearly. And then there's uh, regulations about the clean and the unclean and a repetition of the fat and the blood. So this was a Not just about the animals you brought to sacrifice, but any animal that could be used as a sacrifice, which is to say, any animal that you would eat, you were not to eat the fat because the fat belonged to the Lord. Now, if there was an animal that just died on its own or that had to be killed for some other reason, maybe it was a flawed animal, it wasn't spotless, you could use its fat for other purposes, right? And animal fat has other purposes that you can use it for as, you know, lubricant and as an ingredient in soaps and things like that, waxes and things like that. But you cannot eat it because the fat belongs to the Lord. And that's the idea that we give God the best. The best that we have, we give to God. And then the blood, you don't eat at all because the blood is the life and the blood is the atonement. And you don't eat that uh, in a sense that belongs to God too. God's the giver of life and life belongs to God. And um, blood is In the sacrifice, it's poured out around the altar. You don't drink it yourself because Christ offered up his blood for us as he offered up his life for us. So there's a lot of regulations here, and you can get lost in the details and think, wow, this was really precise and a lot of shedding of blood and a lot of separating of fat and a lot of burning up of leftover pieces. And why is God making them do all these details? It's because he's trying to show them how important it is to worship according to his word. So I think we have an establishment of what we call the regulative principle here. We worship according to his word. Now, the New Testament worship is no longer with these animal sacrifices, but we still worship according to the word. We remember that God is holy and that we should be holy in our conduct, especially in worship. We should be holy in our conduct. And then we see Christ foreshadowed in so many of these things, in the shedding of his blood in him being the fat of mankind and being the first and the best of mankind, uh, being offered up to God as as the firstborn from the dead, the first fruit of the resurrection, as being offering up himself to the Father, the third day resurrection, the guilt offering, the sin offering, the peace offering, all of this, all of this points to various aspects of the work of Christ, which is a many-faceted and rich topic to explore. We say simple things like, Jesus died for my sins, Leviticus helps us unpack everything that that means with all of the details of the aspects of the sacrifice. Anyway, I hope help is hopeful to you. It's been a fascinating study for me as we've dug in deep together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this portion of your word. Write it on our hearts and show us Christ, that we might love him and be thankful for him and worship him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to continue right on into Leviticus chapter 8 for day 151. Hope you can join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.